It is a landmark date not just in the history of St. Paul's, but that of the capital. September the 2nd, 1666. The first day of what would become known as the Great Fire of London. The year before had seen the Great Plague of 1665, which many had managed to survive, surely thinking that the next year could only be better. Alas, it was a case of one Annus Horribilis following another. Lasting for almost five days, the fire would destroy a large area of the city and leave 100,000 Londoners homeless. On Sunday the 2nd, it began accidentally in a baker's shop belonging to Thomas Farriner in Pudding Lane near London Bridge, thought to be caused by a spark from his oven falling into a pile of fuel nearby. It spread easily, as not only was London dry after a long hot summer, the area around Pudding Lane was full of warehouses containing highly flammable items, such as timber, rope and oil. On top of that, a violent east wind blew the flames from wooden house to wooden house in the narrow streets. As the fire raged, many attempted to leave the city and poured down to the River Thames in an attempt to escape by boat, while others simply gathered belongings with little forward planning. The rich upper classes and hoi polloi all faced the same catastrophic situation. The great diarist Samuel Pepys was in the thick of it and gave dramatic yet eloquent accounts of the ensuing chaos. On September the 3rd he wrote, about four in the morning, my Lady Batten sent me a cart to carry away all my money and plate and best things to Sir W. Ryder's at Bednall Green, which I did riding myself in my nightgown in the cart. And Lord, to see how the streets and the highways are crowded with people running and riding. The following day, he stated, Sir W. Penn and I to Tower Street and there met the fire burning three or four doors beyond Mr. Howells, whose goods poor man, his trays and dishes, shovels, were flung all over Tower Street in the kennels, and people working therewith from one end to the other, the fire coming on in that narrow street on both sides with infinite fury. St. Paul's became a focus for many, as people assumed it would be a safe place to seek shelter for themselves and their belongings. The cathedral also happened to be covered in wooden scaffolding at the time, and on the Tuesday fire hit with devastating effect, as it had any other building in its wake. The old St. Paul's Cathedral would subsequently collapse, with the lead from its roof some seven acres of it, melting and pouring down onto the street like a great river. There was no fire brigade in 1666, so Londoners themselves had to fight the blaze with the help of local soldiers. 
they used buckets of water, water squirts and fire hooks. The best way to stop the fire, or so it was initially thought, was to pull down houses with the fire hooks in order to make gaps or fire breaks. But this only led to the strong winds forcing the flames over any new gaps created. A quicker way of demolishing houses was to blow them up with gunpowder. But this technique wasn't used until the third day. Fireposts, each staffed by 130 men, were also set up around the city to fight the blaze. On Wednesday night, the wind dropped and firefighters finally gained control. By dawn on Thursday, the fire was virtually out, finishing in Cock Lane. Amazingly, only six people died. The damage caused, however, was immense. 436 acres of London were destroyed, including over 13,000 houses and 87 out of 109 churches. Some places still smouldered for months afterwards. St Paul's was ruined, as was the Guild Hall and 52 livery company halls. Sir Christopher Wren was brought in to examine and assess the ruins of the old cathedral to see if it could be saved, but ultimately he decided it to be an impossible task and the remains of the old Norman church were taken down. Although Wren couldn't have foreseen the Great Fire coming, it afforded him unprecedented opportunities to put his expertise to use. Following the fire, he was immediately and irretrievably caught up in the architectural limelight of his time, and together with Robert Pratt and Hugh May, he was appointed by the King one of three commissioners to survey the extent of the damage and to advise on how best to move forward. It would take half a century to rebuild the ravaged area of London, and of course in turn would lead to Wren's greatest achievement, the St Paul's we know today. But what, if anything, can be found in today's cathedral that actually survived the fire? Remarkably, some items were salvaged. These include the statue of former Dean and poet John Donne, which is in unfathomably good condition and can be found in the Dean's Isle. In the crypt there are a number of effigies to view, together with the blaze damage they succumbed to. And on the roof, there can be seen not just decorative golden pineapples, but golden flames, a memorial to the events of the Great Fire, which even blow in the same direction as the wind did in 1666. A memorial to a catastrophe that lasted less than a week, just five days but would change the history and future of St Paul's Cathedral and the City of London forever.